Well, hello there, and welcome to the Wealthy Travel Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Chappelle, and this is where we interview top advisors, suppliers, and other key successful people in the travel industry to help you reach your goals that you desire to become the Wealthy Travel Agent. Today, we have Lisa Sheldon from the Destination Wedding Honeymoon Specialist Association, one of my favorite people in the world. I'm so happy she agreed to come join us here. Uh, she's a joy to talk to, and I think we're going we're gonna to learn a lot from Lisa and, uh, and everything that she can offer as well, um, not just for wedding specials, but uh, just selling travel in general. So, Lisa, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here today. So Lisa and I were talking about before we went on the air, she had a quote that I, I want to read to you because I think it's just a fantastic one that we could all remember. And it's, uh, it's this, it's better to be busy than to be broke. So, so I hope each and every one of you are busy. And if you're not, hopefully you'll get something out of this that'll help you get to there as well. So Lisa, tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, how you got in the business and what you're doing now and get to where you're at today. Well, I just, um, I'm in my 32nd year of travel. I have uh, been around the block, so to say, and have seen a lot of changes in the industry. But even as a little girl, I loved the, the idea of traveling, whether it was the, the road trips with mom and dad, or in high school, when I was able to drive and go into Milwaukee, which was about an hour and a half away, uh, I would go in and we could pay 10 cents and go up on the observation deck and watch the planes take off and land. So things have changed a little bit. But back in 1986, we ended up moving to Indiana, uh, right near Fort Wayne, and there happened to be a travel school there. And so it was about 20 minutes away, and I took out a $1,500 loan on my own to go to travel school and went nights and weekends part-time and ended up starting out in the travel industry. I was able to get a job right away at an agency and have progressed through being a frontline agent for both a small agency, then I went to AAA. I managed an agency, several agencies actually, because we moved back to Wisconsin then, and then I became home-based. And back in 1997, when it wasn't really a big thing in the travel industry, it was very uncommon to have someone work remotely. The internet was just, of course, really building strength and the possibility of, of doing that started taking on. And oddly enough, in 2000, started looking for, my business had grown, thinking I need to maybe either buy a business or rent storefront space. And I ended up with a business partner buying an agency in June of 2001, three months before 9-11. <laughs> yeah, if I had only had my crystal ball. But, you know, we did okay because we did a lot of groups with the local university. We had started seeing a lot of, you know, honeymoons and destination weddings requests that hadn't really seemed to be affected more so after you know because the dynamics of travel had changed so much right after 9-11 and by 2005 I completely rebranded and closed my storefront moved home and have been selling romance travel ever since 
So, and again, lots of changes through the industry as far as, you know, airlines and the way things are done and the way people buy. And we were talking earlier that the consumer is more educated today than they've ever been. And that's why having a niche is so important because you can narrow your focus a little bit and really up your game on a particular area. You can focus on a certain, you know, a couple brands for destination weddings and honeymoons or destinations and really get to know them well. Get to know some locals, get to know little things that you can see and do there that are kind of off the beaten path that you might not normally hear about otherwise. And so it's really important to focus on a niche with specialized training and your marketing efforts. To so I want to talk about the niche here in just a second here, but I th- you mentioned something that I think is really important because it set up the foundation for w- how you got to where you are today. Uh, how important was that initial education, going to travel school and, and learning, the, learning the nuts and bolts of the business like that to your career to get you to where you are today? I think it was very important because back at the time there was GDS systems. We booked airline tickets and Amtrak tickets and bus tickets. And, uh, you know, anybody that's listening to this that knows what I'm talking about, I remember using MCOs to pay Carnival Cruise Line if someone paid with a credit card. And so you got the foundation that you needed to understand the industry as a whole. I think one of the biggest mistakes agents that get into the industry now start out and think, well, I can book a trip. I can just go online and book it. Mm -hmm. But there are so many things behind the scenes that you need to understand that explain the hows and whys of what you're actually doing. And so I, I think it's really important where, you know, whether it's through a host agency or the Travel Institute or DWHSA, the Family Travel Association has a course that you're getting some, some basic education to really help. It's more than just a sales position. You are psychiatrists and, you know, best friends and mothers and, and, you know, to these clients sometimes, especially if they're younger romance travel clients and you're working with them for a year or longer, especially if it's a destination wedding. So the, the training has always been a huge foundation for me. I guess because I, I love travel school so much. I had a, an amazing instructor uh, who was my mentor for many years. And understanding that without education, you're just kind of going through the motions and, and grasping at straws sometimes when you're trying to accomplish something. Yeah. And I think that it's educational foundation is so important for success. Well, and the fact that you were able to invest in yourself, you, you thought, of, I mean, you, you made this a career, you went out, took out a loan to do it. I mean, that's what, you know, people go to college and don't even use their degrees out of that. But this is, this is something that, you know, when you're passionate about it, you, you know, you want to do it, you get into it. And, and it's, it, as you said, it sets that solid foundation that I think a lot of folks are, are missing out on. There's bits and pieces here and there and stuff like that uh, for people, new people getting in the industry, but a solid program like what the Travel Institute offers, what you offer through the Destination Wedding Special Association. Um, most of the stuff I offer is, is at a higher level. It's for more experienced type agents. So building that solid foundation is the key, I think, for, for uh, getting to long-term success. Now, let's talk about the niche. You know, you, you, you talked about how you got into that niche and, 
how it's working for you. Tell, tell me more about that. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about the niche, how you've been able. So there's one, there's a, there's an important thing that for folks to remember is it's great to have a niche. The more important thing is, is it one that you can monetize? And this is definitely a huge opportunity niche that uh, I think a lot of people try to do. They just may not do it well. And with, with the proper guidance and training, I think they, that there's a lot of folks that could be extremely successful with this. So tell me more about that niche as far as for your own personal business, as well as the Destination Wedding and Honeymoon Special Association and how they help. Well, as you know, when owning the agency and even when I got into travel, I was a huge fan of a theme park particular theme park, uh, you know, the mouse, I always say he's the other man in my life, and became one of the first earmarked agencies and really, you know, had built our business. We were known throughout the area that we were in. But as I realized, no matter how much Disney we sold, we only still made 10%. And when honeymooners would come in, and you could book a honeymoon with one of the all-inclusives, you were making almost double what we were making and it just kind of made sense. You know, if it doesn't make money, it doesn't make sense. The old saying, and we just gradually, we started doing bridal shows and then I ended up even starting to produce bridal shows because there weren't, there wasn't one in my area and then really started becoming the, the destination for, for honeymoons. And, and then of course the weddings, they filter in. And going on the fam trips and, and going to the destinations and seeing the, you know, the different resorts and meeting with the on-site wedding coordinators and really getting to, you know, build some relationships on the other end so that you can go back to your clients and assure them that you're going to be able to handle their destination wedding or you know that this resort is probably going to fit their needs better than the other one and, and that type of thing. So, and it just, I dived into the wedding industry. I learned to get in the mind of the bride. One of my mentors, Rebecca Grinnells, told me that one day at a training that you have to get into the mind of the bride to understand what, where she's coming from, you know, and her needs and wants and the importance of having that dream destination wedding turn into the absolute best day of her life. So, you know, it comes with responsibility, but it's fun. And no two weddings are the same, no two honeymoons. And it was, it's just fun. And then as my business grew, I started mentoring other agents and helping them. And my path crossed with my current business partner, John Hawks. And we just kind of got started talking about the need for training and something, an organization or a school or something that would set the benchmark for education for romance specialists. And seven years ago on Saturday, February 1st, we launched DWHSA. Wow. So, congratulations. Um, yeah. <laughs> that is, that is awesome. So you're, you're, you're full of some great quotes today. And I love, I love the one where you just said, if it doesn't make money, it doesn't make sense. So uh, let's talk a little bit about how do you make money in destination, whether it's weddings, honeymoons, uh, romance travel in general, you know, cause I think the mindset of the typical travel professional is based around commission. 
And are there opportunities to work off of, say, net pricing where you have your own markups in it, where you can take uh, components of whatever may be all included and actually sell those, uh, price those out so that you can earn even more money? This is fairly common in the incentive business. So I was just curious as to, as to how that, if, if those opportunities are available with the romance travel opportunities. There are some opportunities, of course, you know, the commissions usually, because honeymooners do tend to spend a, at least a third more on their honeymoon than they normally would on a regular vacation. Also, luxury clients will probably spend that much more. They stay longer. Average honeymoon sale is about $5,000. Average luxury honeymoon is about 11000 So you're making good commission if you're yeah. working with your preferred suppliers. There are opportunities, of course, to charge planning fees. Right. Uh, whether, you know, and if you are actually retaining those planning fees, that's additional income. You I'm know, a big fan of that. You, you charge a fee, that's that's a fee. It's It doesn't apply. Yes, yes. I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, exactly. And, just, and, you know, we work hard for our knowledge. We spend a lot of our time and money to do it. And when you finally feel confident that you can charge that fee, you should, especially after doing destination wedding quotes. A lot of times, you know, you're pricing two or three destinations, you're pricing three hotels in each destination, you're pricing, you know, four or five room categories, and you spend a lot of time and effort into that. Yeah, it sounds like a lot and of work. <laughs> it is. And then they walk away and say, oh, we're just going to go, you know, have a traditional wedding at home, and maybe you can book our honeymoon or provide all that information and then it's just crickets. You don't even hear back from them. It's very frustrating. And after you get burned a couple of times, you just kind of say, you know what, I'm going to charge this. They're either going to book, you know, pay the fee and book with me or they're not. So um, you have to realize, you know, your own value is, is uh, you know, important as well. So let's talk about the target customers, uh, for instance, you know, is, is it better to, I mean, what's the difference between round one and round two, three, four, or five, you know, depending on <laughs> how many times they've been married there, everybody, you know, because you, you look at it, most people look at the wedding as particularly their first one is, you know, this is, this is it. And I, I think statistically, Bless their heart. <laughs> yeah, and I think statistically, you know, over 50% of them, uh, you know, end in divorce. So there's yeah. probably going to be another one or two down the line there. But, um, you know, so where should someone thinking about getting into the business, where would the best opportunity be um, for them? Uh, is it going to be, you know, first time brides? Is it going to be second time around where they kind of know more about what they want in life and stuff like that? Uh, what's, it could be, yeah, it can be any of those. Um, I'm finding a lot of our millennial travel agents, nice. uh, some have even had their own destination weddings. They're doing really well because they relate better to, you know, to the brides, I mm -hmm. think, and the grooms. I know one of our members who focuses on marriage enrichment groups, and she works with her local church. She does a lot of anniversary and vow renewals. Your marketing can target, you know, millennials. It can target the baby boomers. Keep in mind, baby boomers, they're, they're retiring. They have discretionary income, and they, they have the time, you know, to travel a little bit more. So they can include maybe a vow renewal on that bucket list trip, 
you know, cruise to Alaska or to Europe. And don't rule out, not all romance travel marketing has to be focused on skinny couples in a hammock under a palm tree. Uh, certainly, you know, they can focus on, you know, couples that are more mature, like you said, maybe their second, third marriage, and, you know, maybe that significant anniversary, 40, 50 years. Yeah. So um, don't rule out one particular demographic. You can go after all of them, really, but you just have to do that in your marketing. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in particular, from personal experience, when we were in Tahiti last year, I think uh, I saw at least one or two vow renewals or weddings every single day. We were in the Dominican Republic a couple of years ago. I was speaking at a conference there and my wife and I were out on the beach. And I mean, it was like every hour there was the little gazebo had, a, 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 I mean, they must've done a, a, you know, half a dozen to a dozen weddings that day. <laughs> just while yeah. we were sitting there. I mean, it was, yeah. uh, it was just unbelievable. So there's systematic processes that I think, uh, you know, that the, the resorts have in place to, to move these through. And I'm sure travel professionals can do the same thing there. So, uh, you know, we get paid to sell uh, at the end of the day. So whether it's through fees or sales, what is the, uh, you know, the, the, from a marketing and uh, prospecting standpoint, what's the best way to get started in this? Is it, is it through online advertising, through your Facebook ads, working your, I'm a big believer in, you know, the acres of diamonds concept where you're sitting on literally acres of diamonds right underneath you. So yeah. prospecting within your existing networks and, and out and about from there. What's, uh, what's kind of the best way to get started? Someone wanted to break into this side of the business. Uh, obviously, we want them to, to go through your programs to learn to do it the right way. But once it gets into the marketing prospecting piece of it, what's, which direction should they go with that or which directions? Well, for, for someone that's start, just starting out new in travel, and we actually have members that start out and then go, want to go directly into destination weddings and honeymoons and other romance travel, that's great. They need to make a list of friends, acquaintances, people that they see at the health club, that type of thing. And, you know, just start getting the word out, get business cards and rack cards printed up and start telling everybody they know. If it's somebody that's been in travel for a little while and they might have, you know, done one destination wedding, maybe a smaller one, and they, they love doing it and they want to maybe try and get more of them, their existing database, you call it, you know, the diamonds, I call it a gold mine because there's all these little nuggets hidden within their own existing database. Mm -hmm. They send out an email or a letter to them and say, you know, I'm focusing now on honeymoons and anniversary trips and destination weddings, their clients are either going to say, well, we've got a big anniversary coming up, or they might have a son or daughter that's soon to be engaged in planning right. a wedding. They've got a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, a nephew, a granddaughter, somebody that's going to possibly use their services as a romance travel specialist. So, and the more they market to them and plant the seed, whether it's for uh, a proposal trip, you know, they think, well, I usually get the client after they, you know, the proposal has happened and now they want to plan the destination wedding or honeymoon. But if you know of someone that you can send to, say, hey, how about popping the question on the beach at sunset on a can, you know, at a candlelit dinner or you guys are divers. How about popping the question when you, you know, you're doing a dive in Grand Cayman? 
uh, plant that seed for all of these possible trips. And now one of the big trends is that the couple goes on a vacation right after the proposal happens for a photo shoot. So why not flash the ring in front of the Eiffel Tower? Yeah. Or, you know, that's big. And so I think people just need to be creative and think of all the possibilities and get the word out to their clients and everybody they know. Cool. So let's switch gears here for a second, because we always talk about uh, you know, the successes we've had and how it, it, people think, oh, yeah, well, you know, you, you've done this, you've done that. And it's always a step up every time you, you move up the ladder uh, in your career and, and in your sales success and stuff like that. But what most people don't see is the fact that as we're going up that ladder, sometimes the rung breaks and we drop back down a little bit and have to have to pick ourselves up and, and uh, you know, gather it up and keep going. Uh, are there any any times that uh, this has happened throughout your career that uh, you oh, know, yes. you've had to pick <laughs> yourself up? And <laughs> yes, about uh, a year uh, after purchasing the storefront, my business partner bailed, left me. He was the business guy. I was the travel side sales type person. Uh -huh. uh, he left me with um, a huge amount of debt he fell off the face of the earth and, you know, abandoned me. And I was left to run an agency with staff and plus, you know, try and still sell and, you know, keep the lights on and that type of thing. So, yeah, I felt like four or five rungs fell out of that ladder that time. It's caused me to be a little cautious, you know, moving forward, but I just decided I'm going to do it on my own. And, um, you know, was able to bounce back. And I think when I closed the storefront, let staff go and then, you know, took them on as independent contractors, that was probably where I started moving ahead again. So, yeah, it, it happens. But, you know, we're tough people. We, we learn from it and we move forward. You have to or you're just going to be sitting on the, on the ground with those broken rungs around you. Yeah, so. I totally agree. It's, uh, you know, if you don't learn from it and keep, you know, keep moving on, uh, you know, losing sales is, is part of the game. Uh, you know, I mean, I think in this business, if you've got a 30 or 40% closure rate, you're doing great, but that means that you've lost six or seven out of that. So it's, uh, it's just a matter of how you keep going and, and moving forward towards your end goal. Um, this is kind of uh, this is a question I ask. There's two questions I ask everybody. Well, before we do that, let's talk about Facebook for a minute and, and online groups and the influence that they have uh, taken on within the um, within the industry as a whole. How do you see the you know the influence of people asking questions in Facebook groups and the answers they get and how they basically take that as the gospel and, and integrate it into their business? Is this a, a good thing? Is it a, uh, I mean, how do you, how do you see that? Well, <laughs> it, it's good in a way. It's got its downsides too, because like you mentioned, you know, there might be somebody, anybody that is on Facebook all day long answering everybody's questions and claims to know everything and everything there is to know about travel makes me kind of question that because when are they selling? Exactly. You know, my busiest members 
are the ones that are never posting in our DWHSA Facebook group. They are, you know, they're selling a million or $2 million of travel a year. They're managing their, their own private client groups or their destination brides groups and, and that type of thing. They're busy doing that. They're not answering everyone else's questions. And, you know, it's too easy for newer agents to just go in there and post a question and they get pounced on because the the experienced agents are like well you need to qualify your client and you need to ask them questions and they ask what's your favorite well my favorite doesn't matter right it's your client that you're working with what do they want what do they need what are their uh, likes and dislikes and and that type of thing so i think one of the biggest things new agents can do is really learn how to qualify a client because they're doing themselves and their clients a disservice if they don't ask the right questions. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that I've noticed about a lot of these these groups is when people ask questions, they need to be asking the right people the questions and not just putting it out there for anybody to comment on because of the, you know, as as you said and we talked about before we went on the air is the the folks that spend most of their time on there answering these questions are probably the ones that know the least about it. They're just you know they're 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 voicing an opinion and then people take that as the gospel, and that the the more people po- you know see that person answering questions, the more they elevate them in status as an expert. When the reality of it is, you know, sometimes they are, sometimes but you know a lot of times they're not. So you know I I think. Uh, like for instance, questions have come up about, uh, and this is actually to do with the destination wedding uh, through one of the groups is like, so, you know, what kind of passports and visas do they need from if they're from a such and such country? And all these people start posting all of these, well, that's a legal thing, man. If you get that wrong, then you're, you're going to get sued. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, I actually answered the question and said, well, I think you need to go back to, to the supplier and ask them specifically or go how they handle this, whether it's through a visa service or whether they direct you to the embassy of that particular particular country, because yeah. it's not something you want to get right. So no, no, and just like I'm not an insurance agent, so right, if right. they have specific questions, you know, I refer them to the insurance website or the 800 number, and the same with you know the the visas and and. Well, and that's why I brought it up is because, you know, with these destination weddings in particular and honeymoons, you know, people are coming in, we're a global economy and global, you got people coming in from all over the world for a lot of these things, not just from the US and Canada, North America, whatever. And so the visa requirements for those people are different. And, And so I think that's, uh, it's important that you get the right answer to the question from the, from the source that you need to be yeah. going to and not, you know, not from a consensus on, uh, in a Facebook group. Um, okay. So now let's jump back to where <laughs> I got off track there for a second here. Um, I, I asked these next two questions of everybody who's on the podcast. First of all, what are three things you wish you'd known before you started in on your journey as a travel professional? Oh, let's see. Um, I would have to say that when I, well, when I started, nobody really picked a niche. We did everything mm-hmm. from, you know, rail tickets in Europe to a cruise to, a, you know, a flight between Cleveland and Indianapolis. I mean, we did it all. I wish that niche travel had started you know, the focus on niche travel had started sooner. Right. And uh, the other thing is 
education. I think that we were taught how to, you know, sell a destination without being there, but having the opportunity to be able to go and visit it was more important to me. Okay. And that always didn't happen, especially when you're younger and, you know, I had small children and couldn't always travel. So that was right. always, you know, kind of a downside of things for me. And the third thing I think is I was a lot of times afraid to ask, afraid to ask clients and people, you know, for their business. And I wish I would have been, I guess, coached more to not be afraid to do that. Yeah. I, th I think those are three great things. Uh, picking a niche, uh, education, particularly when it comes to fam trips, you know, getting to know the destination uh, inside and out there, mm -hmm. I think is good. But the last one is, uh, is a big one. And that's uh, not being, a, you know, being coached to, to not be afraid to ask for the business or, or right. and not just the asking for the business, but just asking the questions in general from suppliers and from, from, you know, just, just having a question in mind. I think right. is, a, is, is a big one there. So yeah. I, the, I think those are, those are three fantastic things. And I think they still kind of apply to today too. They do. You know? you know what? I hear this, you know, from everyone that I've interviewed so far, it's two of these three things are always pop up mm -hmm. always with, with, without question. And so uh, we, we want people to do, to get to know that. So, uh, and finally, the last question, and I want you to tell us how people afterwards, how people can get in touch with you and become part of the, the association. What is your definition of the wealthy travel agent? Everyone has their own. Uh, a lot of people make assumptions about what it means and what it means to me, that it's just about selling luxury travel. And it's, that's the furthest thing from the truth. That's part of it, but it's, it's more about you know, developing a business that allows you to do the things that you want to do with your life, not mm -hmm. just selling luxury travel. So what, what is your definition of what the wealthy travel agent means to you? Well, wealth doesn't always necessarily mean financial. Uh, so I think a wealthy travel agent is someone who is confident in what they're doing, that they've got the right practices in place that they can handle their clients. They do it well. They're continuing to build their business. They get to travel often. And yes, you know, having the financial reward is always important. But just having the knowledge and the confidence to know that what they're doing, have passion for what they do. Uh, they love helping their clients. And I think all of those factors really can make you kind of complete in your, your career. And that would be my definition of a wealthy travel agent. Fantastic. I love it. Absolutely love it. So tell us how, uh, tell our audience how they can get in touch with you if they want to get into uh, specializing in romance travel. Well, real easy. My email is lisa at dwhsa.com, the Destination Wedding and Honeymoon Specialist Association. That's why we shortened it to abbreviations. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just shoot me an email. You can see more about what we're all about on our website, uh, dwhsa.com. And, you know, just reach out to me or find me on Facebook or Instagram. And I would be happy to answer any questions they have about romance travel or getting into the niche and, uh, you know, wish them success. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been, uh, you're always one of my favorite people to talk to. It's been a, a, a great experience. I think folks, we spend as much time offline talking before we yeah. actually get on the podcast. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. it's wonderful. So be sure and reach out to Lisa. Uh, if you want to grow your, grow your business in the, in the romance travel niche. Uh, I'm Dan Chappelle, your host, uh, the wealthy travel agent. If you have any questions, any comments, you can reach me at dan at danchappelle.com. Or to learn anything about any of our educational programs, such as the Power Players Club or Secrets of Selling to the Affluent Traveler, just go to danchappelle.com and click on the links up above, and that'll take you there. Thanks again, Lisa. We appreciate it. And uh, let's get out there and make some money, folks. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.